The year is 1991. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And I'm Matt. And this is My Marvelous Year. My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club where we're going through the best of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, the comic book journeyman, and today I am joined by Dave, founder and CEO of Comic Book Herald, and a man who swims daily through lakes of blood, tortured by his past transgressions. How are you doing, Dave? You know, I'm doing better after my swim. Uh, I was I was a little <laughs> stressed today, and it's I got a warm, nice swim yeah. going. Yeah, no, actually, it's not. It's like really cold here. But here's the thing: that the, the rivers blood, of blood, the blood the, is warm. The blood's warm. The blood's very warm. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yes, we are joined by a special guest, significantly less caked in uh, in the blood of their enemies. Although, it, honestly, I don't know. I feel like Matt. I feel like often you're on warpath, uh, taking out some <laughs> of your enemies as well on Twitter. How's it going? We got Matt Draper of Comics YouTube channel. Wait, no. Of just good YouTube channel. Good YouTube Matt. Ooh, oh, Not what just a comics, right? How's it going, uh, Matt? Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Uh, it's good. I, yes, I just recently uh, bathed off the blood of my enemies. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I saved a little vial for commemoration. So, you know, all good. Looking forward mm-hmm. to another batch soon. But, uh, yeah, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, yeah we're happy to have you as well. This is 1991 Part Five. We're going to be talking today about Silver Surfer on the road to the Infinity Gauntlet. It's been a long journey here. Zach, get this. You ever think mm. about the fact that it's been, we've covered 30 years of Marvel Comics? You ever just I think that about today. that? Yeah. Right? Yeah, 30 yeah. years of Marvel history that we've covered in the span of like, what, two of podcasting? And now we've gone from yeah. Fantastic Four number one to Infinity Gauntlet right here. This major event that obviously influenced so much. In comics, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, of course, there's no Infinity War, there's no Endgame without the contents of Infinity Gauntlet and the influence of this story, which is written by Jim Starlin. We have art by George Perez and Ron Lim. We'll talk about that a little bit. And uh, and it's a six-issue event, but again, we have some Silver Surfer stories to talk about. Before we get to it, I do just want to say broadly, too, as we talk about all of this, one thing that really struck me as I read this again and as we go year by year on this chronological basis is like... Infinity Gauntlet is so far and away Marvel's biggest success of an event, you know, mm-hmm. of what we think yeah. about in terms of it has event issues, it has tie-ins, it captures the full universe is threatened stakes that we think of when we think about a comic book event. Nothing Marvel had tossed out to this point in time from Secret Wars, which I dearly love, through to this point comes close. <laughs> like, like nothing's even close. Like Secret Wars 2, right? Obviously, like, not our favorite. Okay, one of the 10 worst (laughs) comics of all time. We then have a slew of mutant crossovers inferno is for like proper event which is which is good it's good but it's it's x-men it's just x-men you know but that's the yeah i I think those are the two i'd say secret wars and inferno are the two that like now we didn't cover evolutionary war in the backups of those in the annuals or in the high evolutionaries played or atlantis attack so Mm -hmm. maybe we're discrediting those x of vengeance obviously doesn't come close no it's just like you think about you know of 
all of the 80s trying all these events of trying to get it going and it takes until 1991's Infinity Gauntlet for them really to figure out like oh this is what an event is supposed to look like um and 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 Jim Starlin of course being the one to nail it basically just in telling the same kinds of Thanos stories he'd he'd always been interested in telling since the 70s so all right with that well, okay, I guess so, well first off yeah, I guess we, do you guys agree is that is that correct? Oh, Matt, Matt, what do you what do you think? Uh, yeah, I I kind of agree. Although it is interesting that the success of Infinity Gauntlet does pave the way for um, all the the event craziness that that followed and mm-hmm. that's kind of never let up. Um, so it's interesting because it, it is such a success, and you can see we'll get into it, but you can, you can see elements of it that like everyone kind of takes and runs with. But I would say that you know it's hard for a lot of events to live up to Infinity Gauntlet in my mind. I guess I'm spoiling that, you know, I really do enjoy it a lot just as a, a comic on its own. Um, but yeah, I can't think of too many that would, would uh, stack up to it. Although, you know, you're talking about Secret Wars being, you know, a great event and is really Marvel's first real major one. And they they still don't like, they still don't really like go crazy with it just yet. It's little spatterings here and there. And yeah, like Inferno is a little bit more contained just to X-Men besides some you know daredevil issues and a few little things here and there and then what i think is interesting about infinity gauntlet is is how um how many other uh writers and editors of the other lines within marvel were so hesitant to let starlin's event take over Mm. um their book Mm -hmm. and which is why you have such an oddball cast in this and why so many people uh disappear when Thanos snaps, because right. everyone's like, "No, you, don't, I don't want you to touch my characters." You can note it. Uh, like, yeah. I, I don't know much of the editorial stuff behind this, but just looking at the, you know, they they have a big screen up with all the missing heroes, and you can yeah. tell, like, oh, these are the ones that they don't want to play, right? Like, the, yeah. all the Fantastic Four are missing. Alpha Flight, <laughs> all of Alpha <laughs> Flight is gone. Um, who, who is Alpha Flight to say I, they don't want to fill into the? the I know. I know. I'm, I'm surprised that they were on the board because why would the heroes even know that they existed? <laughs> Nah, that's nah. a good point. Nah. That's a good. There should have been. I mean, to, there should have been a much tinier board made out of rotted wood below that. I, I bristle. I bristle at this. Alpha flight. I, I bristle at this. Uh, this personal attack. But at the same time, looking at that, there's a female guardian on the team, and I was like, oh, who's that? So it's not like I know what's going on with Alpha Flight <laughs> yeah. at this point. Well, most I'm of not, it's not, not in Marvel Unlimited, which we uh, we will yeah, talk about po- because there's one issue era. that is there for for good reason um yeah it is interesting when you look through the reading order of the tie-ins in infinity gauntlet the books that are tying into this event it's silver Mm -hmm. surfer which is of course written and you know directed here by jim starlin so it's his own baby you get one amazing spider-man issue uh which i shouldn't have said i shouldn't have used amazing as my superlative because it's not the series amazing spider-man it's it's adjectiveless spider-man written by anna senti uh that i really like that issue Mm -hmm. but then it's just this weird hodgepodge of dr strange quasar and dagger yeah cloak and dagger exactly and it's like it's it's clearly like oh okay like this is this is actually limited compared to what we see for marvel events throughout the 2000s where it's everyone and their brother right is is connecting um so all right so let's start with silver surfer these are written by jim starlin i was gonna say i i I agree about your your take about this i guess i'm jumping ahead because there's no way you say this is bad if you say this is bad i'm I'm gonna turn off this is me starting with a hot take though no i agree this is like I, i think by a bit the best um, event we've read and I really like this like this is what I really like I like the Silver Surfer issues more I don't know if that's that hot of a take that's interesting I think they, think they kind of work better they're taking a little bit less of a swing but I think that actually helps them like succeed better like some of Infinity Gauntlet's big swings you, you know like you, you have the the meta knowledge of 
how these things mm-hmm. work. And I think that mm-hmm. kind of sucks a little bit of the tension out of it, right? Like the, you know, Thanos going through the Avengers one at a time and Dick, like ripping Iron Man's head off, like his bloody head <laughs> being there and uh, Thor being shattered into a million pieces. Like it's always in the back of your mind. Like, all right, well, you know, they're, they're going to come back, right? Like <laughs> this mm. is not sticking around. And I, I think that, you know, it, it's an unfortunate part of how this works. And I think he does it as best as he can, but I think it does somewhat compromise the thing. Also, I think the um, the other issue is I love Starlin's weird little world that he has kind of partitioned off to the side of the Marvel Universe, and I don't yeah. think he's quite as successful as being like, well, here's me writing Thor and Spider-Man and Captain America. Like, Captain America gets a good moment here, but, th- like, Thor and Spider-Man and, uh, who else is here? Uh, Cloak and Doctor Strange. Like, they seem a little, like, they're here, but, like, their personalities are not... Well, they all get they all get little moments, and I mean that's yeah. that is yeah, yeah. that's the template for the Marvel event. Though is sure. everyone gets their moments, but you have your focus, and for Starlin, that focus is and basically will always be Thanos and Adam Warlock with a little yeah. bit of Silver Surfer on the side. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think which that's, is why I think those those comics are a little stronger to me, just because like I think those are the the those characters, Silver Surfer and Warlock, and all of his cosmic stuff. I, I think he's just so tuned in. So this is less of a complaint about Infinity Gauntlet, and I guess just more like in comparison. I think when he's purely like on his own, yeah, ground. I, hear that. I think he yeah. works works a little stronger because I, I I just think these Silver Surfer issues are basically perfect, and I, I have like small small quibbles with Infinity Gauntlet. Like I think overall it's excellent and works really well. But um, yeah, all right. So let's uh, yeah. we're gonna talk about the Silver Surfer issues. Yeah, so we got Jim Starlin writing, we got Ron Lim on art, we got inks by Tom Christopher, colors by Tom Vincent. We read Silver Surfer 44 to 50, which basically means we've read the full Jim Starlin Silver Surfer run to this yeah. point. I Originally, I was just going to have us do Infinity Gauntlet. A few readers, um, Zach included, you know, said, hey, we should we should probably do the Starlin Silver Surfer. I'm going to want to be reading those anyway. And I'm really glad we did. because we skipped, they, we skipped a few. We skipped the ones where what do you mean? Thanos, we skipped like 39 through 43, I think. Because those are the ones where Thanos oh, uh, right. I mean, set, sets a, a Semantics. Legal, he, he writes, his name is Will and Testament, that uh, Silver Surfer <laughs> should be charged for his murder. And then Silver Surfer gets That's like, right. bogged down in the legalities of that. Yeah, That's sorry, right. Sorry. You recommended that one as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but this is, a, this is a really good road to the event. I think it, it showcases what Starlin is interested in doing, which mm-hmm. is telling a Thanos story. <laughs> like, I consistently, mm-hmm. as these issues progressed, I was a little surprised how much screen time Thanos was getting. I had kind of forgotten how much Starlin's basically just writing a Thanos solo. And then I was simultaneously like flipping pretty quickly through everything that wasn't Thanos and Mephisto and all of the build to Infinity Saga. Um, Matt, what what was your read on these Silver Surfer issues? Oh yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, you were saying you you basically read all, all of Starlin's Silver Surfer run, but it's not very long at all. 34 through 52, mm-hmm. I think is like his entire thing. I think what's funny is that Starlin has his boys. You know, he's always has his boys, which is, you know, Thanos and Warlock and then Gamora to some degree and then maybe Pip. uh, And, like, he has his ideas. Um, I think what's really interesting about Marvel, about Cosmic Marvel, is it Cosmic Marvel or Marvel Cosmic? I would say Marvel Cosmic. Cosmic Marvel, right? Mm. Personally. But because that's... Matt, let me tell you, the the searchers, when I go into the Google Analytics data and the searchers, they call it Marvel (laughs) Cosmic. the SEO. Yep. Okay, Mm -hmm. okay. You would know. The SEO speaks for itself. It sure does. Um, uh, And so, but I think what's interesting is like when you talk about Marvel Cosmic, there's like two sides 
there's the more like esoteric philosophical side of of the cosmic world of marvel which is like thanos and warlock and the ideas that they represent ideas of godhood which is really explored here and then you get the more practical like star warsy side of marvel which is like you know in the 80s and 90s like nova core and stuff like that which is more about space adventures and less philosophical and you know just has more indebted to like star wars and in modern times that's like guardians of the galaxy a lot of that yeah i would put like pre scroll war into that too even for sure and oh, yeah, you yeah, and i have sure. clashed because i was like that's not cosmic that's like the sci-fi side like to me when i think of cosmic marvel i'm like what you're talking about like the kind of metaphysical mm-hmm. you know it, mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. chaos mm-hmm. it's eternity it's, it's jim starlin more or less and i don't think of the kree yeah. scroll as being like cosmic but you know i, yeah. I mean it is it's semantics but yeah sorry go, go yeah. on <laughs> I, I i mean i would still lump in kree scroll even though it brings in earth and usually earth is like you know sequestered from a lot of the stuff mm. but i think what's interesting is whenever earth's heroes get pulled in and are like really over their head i think is an interesting idea sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't i mean empire recently is an example of that that's you know whatever um but um annihilation is more like the rebirth of marvel cosmic in recent years not to jump decades but that's kind of the rebirth of marvel cosmic and leans way more into the star wars side and the practical physical aspect and even kind of pulls like thanos into that side more he becomes less of a philosophical being and more of like a warlord um but then what's interesting is like marvel cosmic like every aspect of marvel comics is created by a lot of different creators over the years and like the first ever like marvel cosmic really is um the galactus trilogy uh by uh, stan and jack mm-hmm. uh, 48 through 50 of fantastic four yeah. and you know they introduced the silver surfer and they introduced uh galactus and of course you get little bits of like i think the scrolls are already in fantastic four before then yep. but i think that's kind of like the birth of it yeah totally and so everyone so starlin adds his stuff and of course stan and jack have added their stuff and you know everyone comes along and does their own thing and I think what's interesting is you have the two polarities of Marvel Cosmic, like I was saying, the practical and the philosophical. And Silver Surfer stands like in the middle. Yeah. And I think he's a really interesting character because he, I mean, he is like a wandering character, but he gets to wander through a lot of those different types of cosmic stories. And he can be used in like the more practical side or the more philosophical side. And of course, I think Starlin using the Silver Surfer comic to, you know, hijack Marvel again to tell his Thanos stories, you know. Uh, which is what he always does every any decade that he comes back he's like guess what thanos is back mm-hmm. uh and um so you get silver surfer kind of pulled into that and he's kind of bringing the physical side into the philosophical side because thanos under starlin is so much like that and that's really interesting because i think that anyone that right like silver surfer is kind of a really malleable character he has mm-hmm. like a, some core tenets you know noran rad and he's given this power and he has the guilt over being the herald and then he becomes this cosmic wanderer and everyone that like pulls everyone that writes him kind of uses their own spin to like tell their own story like i know that stan lee was so obsessed with silver surfer even though it's very clear that jack kirby was the one that invented silver surfer um because stan was just like hey jack write write a story about about the world gonna be destroyed and then he was like he, he created like silver surfer out of whole cloth and Stan was like, I love that character. He's mine now. And then, of course, he wrote a solo series. And years later, he wrote Parable. But then if you talk about, like, gosh, you can talk, you can, like, anyone from, like, Slot's recent run to Donny Cates using him in Silver Surfer Black. Or if you want to talk about JMS's um, Silver Surfer Requiem. 
Uh, of course, you know, you're getting Starlin using him. Everyone kind of has a thing where they got to say, I got to kind of break the character in a certain way. You know, one of the things that Starlin does here is this whole like, oh, Silver Surfer, your soul was tampered with by Galactus. And now you have to have your soul, you know, returned completely and restored. And then you get all this guilt that he's dealing with, which I think is interesting, but it's a huge detour. <clears throat> and in fact, there's one of these issues is called Detour. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and uh, I thought I, I enjoyed the sil- So all to say, let's I like the Silver Surfer comics. They were consistently building to Infinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. And I could tell in the last few issues that Starlin was... I felt like he was treading water yeah. and buying time. Yeah, I agree. And he was like, I'm going to get to 50 and then we'll have Infinity Gauntlet. And then apparently the original idea for Infinity Gauntlet was supposed to take place in Silver Surfer. Hmm. And then because Marvel was recently made some business deals, they were like, we got to have a big event. You need to turn this into a miniseries. Yeah. And they, so they built Infinity Gauntlet out of it. But I enjoyed it. Um... I really enjoy Silver Surfer overall. And I, I'm just a big fan of like the many interpretations that that character can go through and not be like ruined. I think Starlin I, is probably yeah. not. It's a little unfair to say because the Silver Surfer run is very good, but I don't think he's necessarily that interested in the Silver Surfer. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I, I mean, there, there are entire issues where Silver Surfer is like 100% a secondary, if not a tertiary character in his own yeah. comic. Like yeah. th- there's yeah. that one issue where uh, it's just Adam Warlock fighting Drax. And that, yeah. That's the issue, and Silver Surfer is barely in it. He is like on the sidelines watching this. It is fully an Adam Warlock issue, and it works. And there are other. Mm-hmm. And oh, it works, works great. I mean, like, he's, it, he's the, I, he soars the spaceways, and he allows us to observe all of this Marvel mm-hmm. cosmic in a way that I think is very effective. Um, but that said, is that that piece that you mentioned, Matt, with Galactus having tampered with Silver Surfer's soul? That's definitely mm-hmm. the most directly Starlin actually tries to do any Norrin Rad Silver Surfer stuff here. Um like I actually think it's fairly into his run. <laughs> like, yeah, but it, it's, it's fairly the first effective. Time you get, it's oh it's great. I I think that works really well. Uh character like the first time we've had characterization of the Silver Surfer where I've been like, "Oh, this is an interesting guy." Like <laughs> this is yeah. these are relatable human <laughs> emotions that I'm feeling and not just kind of this overwrought you know, just like vague a- anger and guilt, and you know, because like he said, he's he's a little bit of a, you know, like he just carries the audience from interesting scene to scene, but he's not necessarily like the the most interesting character himself. He's like the straight man to all the weirdness happening around him most of the time. I can. Uh, I mean, he's like, not I mean, that liter- dissimilar from Adam Warlock in the way sure, that Starlin right, yeah. used Warlock in those Marvel. 70s books. Like, they sure, are not right. big Same personalities idea. that you. They're not the standouts in. They're incredible books <laughs> around, you know, characters who are not like big standout personalities. But well, there they're are big mostly they're mostly set up to react to yeah. Thanos. Like they're mostly yeah, to set up to react in horror and shock and awe at what Thanos is doing, and they're all very good at that because they're mm-hmm. sort of these mm-hmm. very powerful, in many cases, cosmic sort of paragons of virtue and justice. And, you know, they all just kind of say, oh, my goodness, Thanos is such a threat. It really <laughs> elevates his status and and really mm-hmm. elevates his power level for him to whoop whooped down on, on Captain Marvel or the Silver Surfer and show just kind of how hopeless this is likely going to be in the standard comic book beat-em-up fisticuffs, right? Um, just like clearly that's not going to work. And I, I think Starlin doing that in Silver Surfer up to this point, I mean, certainly— it sets the stage for Infinity Gauntlet to be something truly special. I think, Matt, to your point about the logistics of it, um, one thing we really haven't talked about enough, probably as we talked about 1991, is like we talked a lot about the sales success Marvel has seen 
as a publisher, like all of a sudden, like Spider-Man number one by McFarlane, best-selling comic ever, Liefeld's X-Force, best-selling comic ever. We haven't gotten X-Men number one yet. But what that did internally and like so marvel like they went public right they have stock now like they have owners and what that did is that success made that success palatable it made that a benchmark it made those goals and then marvel was in this position editorially and this a lot of this i'm sure would fall on tom defalco editor-in-chief at the time that they had to surpass those levels with the next thing right so that's a big reason why like x-men relaunches in the way that it does when we get to it and like Mm -hmm. you said it's a big reason why infinity gauntlet becomes its own series um that that you know all six issues of this were in the top 100 selling comics of 1991 so it was a sales success in that regard and i think again that's to the credit of starlin that like he could pull that off. <laughs> like, not everybody could just take an arc out of their Silver Surfer run and have it be Marvel's best event. But that's kind of the scale that he worked on anyway. Again, if you run it back to Captain Marvel, if you run it back to those weird Marvel 2-in-1 annuals and all that stuff, that's what he was doing anyway. <laughs> he was just telling these event-sized yeah. stories. Um, so, all right. What what are the other highlights of, of the Silver Surfer run? Well, I just wanted to say, I, I agree with Matt about the, the last few issues of this feeling like they're treading water at least like momentum wise because that's something i really praised about the first batch of this is that Mm -hmm. like the pacing of these are just so good and that it's just always like building 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 and then the issue here is that we read thanos quest and thanos quest happened and you get about five or six issues here where thanos has all of the infinity gems and he's just like it wears thin that he's constantly like well i could do anything but yeah i'm I'm just gonna toy with him and like he, he never sells it quite right to me that he's just like, oh, my greatest foes in front of me. I could destroy them with a thought, but instead I'll, uh, you know, I'll play around with them for a while. And it like that, uh, that kind of kills some of the tension and I think like drags the pacing. That That's like my main issue with this. And it probably is because Infinity Gauntlet was on the way. It was probably this like editorially, you know, like planned out thing that was happening in the future. And so he kind of had to spend some time getting there instead of just being able to like, you know, write at his own pace and do what he wants. Um, But I think it does somewhat compromise these issues a little bit. Well, I think that's Um, why historically I've, you know, I've basically been like, yeah, read Thanos quest, then read infinity gauntlet. You know, you go from he collects to he has it. Uh, The silver surfer fits in that weird gap in between of just him hanging out with Mephisto talking about it. (laughs) So let's, uh, (laughs) let's detail just quickly, kind of like the big, what happens here um, of these issues. The, Biggest things setting up Infinity Gauntlet. One, we learn in the Soul Gem, which is on in, in the Infinity Gauntlet, which is on Thanos' fist. Inside the Soul Gem resides Adam Warlock, um, Gamora, Pip the Troll, all Starlin favorites from the '70s Cosmic Starlin that we read way back when in the My Marvel This Year Club. They're all still around. They're hanging out in the Soul Gem, actually fairly peacefully. Like they're pretty happy with where they've landed. You know. Don't forget the giant guy that's also just a head. <laughs> that's right. The, the, the giant, the from, giant from proto the, sugar man yeah. <laughs> is uh, who is also a judge, or is he a lawyer? Maybe he's a lawyer. He's, he might be a judge. Yeah, he's, he's some law guy. He's there but, yeah. as well, which is which is a great touch. And, and, and then Drax, uh, Drax and, and Silver Surfer fly yeah. into there at one point, so they meet all them again, right? Uh, but they're in the Soul Gem. They're going to play a role in Infinity Gauntlet. We also get Mephisto learns about 
Thanos's power, he figures out he has the gauntlet, and he makes a play, of course, to, like, he wants some of this power for himself, but he, he saddles up and becomes Thanos's lackey. But clearly he's got a scheme, he's got a plan to try to get this for himself, being, you know, the Lord of Lies. Um, but we get him then showing up and playing a role. Uh, what am I missing? Are there any other big plot points? Hmm, that's kind of it. You're right about it, you know, kind of waiting out. Um, I had reread uh, Thanos Quest just uh, for the sake of the conversation, and it's such, such a great comic. Yeah, um, <laughs> two, you know, 50 page, you know, issues, and they move along so well. And it's what's interesting also about Thanos Quest is that it's the only one of these three where we get internal dialogue uh, from Thanos. Mm-hmm. You know, he is the protagonist and he is the narrator of Thanos Quest. Uh, he is not that in uh, Silver Surfer. You know, we just observe him. Anything that we know about is is what he mm-hmm. says. And then in Infinity Gauntlet, uh, even though he's throughout it, it's all um, observation of him. We don't hear his internal dialogue at all in that, but we hear it a lot in Thanos Quest. And I think what's interesting about that is I actually found it to be actually really enjoyable to be inside Thanos' yeah. head in Thanos Quest. Because yeah. while he is like a bad guy and he obviously has like these like kind of horrifying plans for use if he gets the gauntlet like he's such a he's not like psychotic in a way that's like unpleasant like if you were inside like carnage's mind or something like that Mm -hmm. he's so smart and calculated and knows what he wants and he's driven and with that like he makes for an interesting protagonist in his own book Mm -hmm. but then i think that him and silver surfer is a lot more evil than Mm. thanos quest yeah yeah, you get, um, you get he, that. Yeah, where he's yeah. just like he's more malicious. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That is that is a bit of a bummer because I I pointed that out. Where it's like he's like Doctor Doom. Like he has his goals mm-hmm. and he strives for them. And if you know, better that gloves. Means innocent... Better gloves yeah, than Doom. Yeah, I'll give him oh, that. Oh, for sure. No, yeah. but like, oh, if I, people get in the. I oh, yeah. please go. Oh, go, you go well, ahead. You know, if people get in the way, you know, of his goals, then you know they're in trouble. But otherwise, like he's not out to just maliciously slaughter people, right? Like he he kind of has his own rules. But then here. Yeah, here he's just kind of like he, he sometimes like he's nasty. He uh, he keeps Gamora in this like or Nebula rather in Nebula. this state of half death Nebula. here as like this zombie <laughs> on the verge of death but not quite alive and never able to you know fall unconscious. Right. That was um, definitely a thing that just confused the heck out of me fun. when I read Infinity Gauntlet the first time. Was just yeah. like I was like, what uh, is the, the relevance yeah. of this weird zombie that he keeps around? She's always very creepy. <laughs> Silver Surfer does explain that a bit more than if you just jump straight into the event, which is yeah. that's based on a, some Roger Stern Avenger stuff. Nebula is a character who pops up. She claims to be, I think, the great granddaughter or just a granddaughter of Thanos. Thanos yeah. is like, hey, I don't know about that, but also I'm going to punish you for claiming such a thing. She's on death's door when Thanos finds her on a, a ship he reclaims, mm-hmm. and he keeps her there basically in perpetuity. And I think what he says to Lady Death is something to the effect of like, you know, it show it's like it's like an art exhibit. He's like it shows the it's, fleeting it's a thought experiment of just yeah, like somebody yeah, yeah. being a co- right on the precipice of death but never dying. You know, like he wants someone in that that middle state. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. But that said, for like such a weird little detail, like like crucial to the plot, <laughs> like like sure, really yeah. key yes. to Infinity Gauntlet, which is kind of sneaky. It's kind of smart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, um, I was going yeah, to say please. just I love Thanos's design. Mm-hmm. You know, his classic design is so perfect. Um, you know, I know they've updated it a lot for like. Does he have comics, eyes now? I don't know if that's. He... Does he have eyes? I love that he doesn't have eyes. Yeah, just or the, the, or when he black, starts thinking cosmic, the, the they glow. Right? Give give me that cosmic yeah. glow. I love that. I I do want to to the design point. 
if if it's not going to be Jim Starlin, who has obviously proven his bona fides, uh, Ron Lim is like that. Is if I'm thinking uh, honestly, yeah. if I'm thinking of Marvel Comics, I'm probably thinking of Ron Lim, like just in like the, sort of the platonic superhero ideal, like he, definitely of Thanos. Like he is absolutely the Thanos Marvel cosmic artist, sort of of my of my getting into the the stories and getting into the medium. I love his artwork. I think it would be very easy to be reading these and say like, uh, it lacks a lot. Like it's not Starlin's art, but it doesn't. And that's because no, Ron Lim yeah. is so good, um, which is super cool. And, and I mean, so George Perez takes over for infinity gauntlet, which like, I love George Perez. Like I yeah, love his, his writing and I love his artwork, especially like one, his wonder woman artwork. Is some of my favorite. Um, it's a little step down from Ron Lim. It's not bad. But, like, Ron Lim definitely has... I, I think Ron Lim also, like... It might be the Silver Surfer issues are a lot less dense. Those Infinity Gauntlet issues are very dense. So I think, like, they're a lot more packed in. And Ron Lim really lets the issues breathe. Like, there, there's mm-hmm. tons of, mm-hmm. of space for the action to flow. And, like, they read a lot easier. And the Infinity Gauntlet ones are a little denser to read. So I don't think it's all just Perez. I just also wanted to point out, like, I think it's interesting that, what, like, four years earlier than this? DC's biggest event by far, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Is another George Perez? Yeah, that's eighty five, eighty six. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so even even earlier, five six years. Kind of interesting that like he comes to Marvel to do their you know their biggest like line wide event. Um, so, I don't really know much about the history of that. But. Yeah. So the reason Perez he, is yeah, he oh, had go ahead, a man. lapse in a contract. He had a, he had a lapse in his contract with DC, yeah. right? And that's when Marvel scooped him up and said, hey, you know, I think they gave him a few jobs and they were like, hey, can you write Infinity Gauntlet for us? But then he wasn't exclusive. Right, he also had, um, the, was it War of the Gods? Oh, he was yeah. doing, yeah, was he's doing on? War of the Gods. At he the he's literally time. finishing his Wonder Woman run as yeah. this is happening, yeah. basically, right? In War of the Gods, he was kind of frustrated, Perez was, with DC for not marketing that the way it was supposed to be. Like, it's that's a very mm-hmm. messy event, and it shows. Yeah. Um, so, so essentially, he was like, all right, cool, I'm going to take some Marvel work, I'm going to double dip. Uh, but then the reality of that was... It was too much, and he couldn't he couldn't pencil two giant events for two publishers at the same time, essentially. Yeah. Which is where Lim comes in, and, and uh, Lim finishes up issues five and six. Yeah. Gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah. Which and Perez was he was cool about the whole thing too. Like he kept doing the covers and stuff, and he was there was no like seemingly bad blood between the two, um, which is which is good because I mean Lim absolutely deserves to be on this book as well. But yeah. I mean, yeah, it's I don't know. I never I never had like a quarterback controversy in my head between like. Oh, I love the limb issues, but the Perez issues aren't quite doing it for me. It just—it always read like one piece to me. Yeah, know? no, it, it's not mm-hmm. jarring. I, yeah. I just—I I think like if I—if I—I uh, think limbs. Limbs got a—he—he—he he, he can adapt pretty well. I think. I mean, if you look at his art, and he did Thanos Quest also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, and then which is, you know, with different inkers and di- you know different colorists, and you compare that to Silver Surfer, and then you compare it to Infinity Gauntlet, and he's kind of changing up his style enough to fit as it is. Like, I know he comes in somewhere in issue four but i'd be like hard pressed to tell you exactly yeah. what what page you know that is um i do think that perez's layouts are a little bit more complex than limbs sure. like the way that he lays out like characters kind of like outlining you know certain panels and the way they flow is just a little bit more complex than limb who's a, a little bit more straightforward in his flow but it still works great and obviously we're working with already we're working with um pre-established characters and settings like thanos's giant you know marble uh, death space palace is there so you know it's not like getting you know if david aha was suddenly to come in right you know, in the middle of right. this thing yeah, you're yeah. like oh well you know this is a completely different comic so it, and it was a minimalist story about thanos it, trying to uh 
put together his his AV cables. They were tangled, and he <laughs> Thanos was trying to figure it out, and he could not, and it, <laughs> it was just driving him mad. Didn't want to use the gauntlet. He wanted to prove he could do it himself. And he yeah. <laughs> reduces his power helpful. to 99.5% to exactly. untangle them. Exactly. No, Perez, Lim- Perez has a lot of design. He has a lot of design yeah. in the first yeah. issues of these that should absolutely be credited, because even just the iconic panels of Mephisto writing God in a bunch of rocks to try to get on Thanos. That's you know, a, to try such to, a Perez to to page, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, or, or you know, Thanos writing his name in planets, right? Is that is, is writing your full, writing your name in planets is such a power move, you know? <laughs> like like I've you know, like I've considered proposing via skywriting, but that's nothing compared to proposing via planets. That's so much cooler. Oh, that's so sure. that's, you know what? But that said, you know what? Proposing via planets, Thanos, here here's the thing, in Infinity Gauntlet, he's trying to woo Lady Death the entire time, right? And this is like the core difference between Thanos of Infinity Gauntlet and of Starlin. And of what we saw in the Marvel Cinematic Universe when they did away entirely with the, very smartly, with the whole thing with him trying to woo the lady personification of death in case, uh, you know, of course she's a lady in case, as I I saw in a Linkara video, um, you know, Marvel accidentally stumbled into a case of the, don't worry, he's not gays. And, you know, because they're like, of course, you know, death has to be a lady, right? It's kind of ridiculous. But anyway, he's trying to woo her the whole time. He writes his own name in Planets. Write her name. Thanos, what are you doing, man? (laughs) I mean, that that is the moment where you're like, because I I actually, I love this part of the the run. And I think it's a a great idea that the MCU got rid of it. But like part of me still like is kind of bummed that they didn't try it, right? Because the, the, it is not just this like big abstraction, right? Like it is this very relatable human thing of like an entitled man being like, I love you and I'm doing everything I can for you. Like, why don't you love me back? I am yeah. do your love. Like you owe me this basically. Like, and, and that is like the moment where you can see that he is like so down bad <laughs> for her that he is right. Like, Oh yeah. His own name. Like he is just totally tilted here. Uh, and like has, has no said, idea yeah. how to do it. And, and like, it's pathetic. Like it's almost pathetic when he mm-hmm. creates another woman to like <laughs> a sexy Thanos, right? Like Taraxia. I think I do keep I I have a confession I do keep a sexy version of myself a cutout if my wife if my wife is you know getting under my skin I try to make her jealous with the sexy version of myself and it it rarely works I will and and like she's just yeah hanging over his neck and like you know kissing him and fawning over him and he's just like huh look the perfect woman and I mean the artwork does so much you know, good good work of showing that Thanos is actually still miserable, right? That, like, this is not mm-hmm. what he actually wants. It's just this, like, pathetic high school thing of trying to get a girl to be jealous. Well, that's the that blend. Works. That's the beautiful blend yeah. of Starlin is the all-powerful, the literally godlike and omniscient and omnipotent and the pitiful yeah. and the sort of pathetic and the, the never-being-happy-with-himself Thanos. And that's what Starlin strikes such a... A good job of because what happens with Infinity Gauntlet, and it's going to keep happening from here on forward, is it it asks the question: Okay, if a villain actually wins, or if a villain actually is unbeatable by all our usual superhero stuff, then what do we do, and how do we make this story interesting? And so much of the answer here throughout Infinity Gauntlet is: Well, you have a th- character like Thanos who is so multifaceted and complicated, and yes, frequently pathetic. And, and just sort of, like, desperate for this affection of this woman who clearly does not wish to grant it, who will not reciprocate. That's how you make that story interesting. It's more about that than it is about can Wolverine stab him enough to get rid of the Infinity yeah. Gauntlet, you yeah. know? Right. Which The answer is no. <laughs> which is, he cannot do, yes. <laughs> um, so, all right, let's back it up to, to Infinity Gauntlet number one. Let's kind of start from the top of this. 
um, reading this event, looking at it now, we enter this event because of Thanos quest, because of what we've seen in Silver Server. Thanos has the he has the gauntlet. He has all six gems. There's no question about like will he does he have enough power? And kind of like Avengers: Infinity War, and I guess spoiler alert <laughs> like if you haven't watched the mcu and you only read the comics mm-hmm. like what a move like way to go um but it's he has all the gems he can clearly take everyone out and fairly early in this book he does the famous snap right he, he one of the ways he's like okay lady death the way i can impress you is i'll wipe out half the population and he's trying to impress her he's doing all these things and then he's like what am i forgetting he's like oh yeah i haven't wiped out half the population casual snap next page he just does it like it's it's not yeah the, the build up to that is very small it, it's it is kind of amazing and it's a great visual it's a great just like you know those panels are iconic obviously and then it's half the marvel universe is gone i like much like we saw in the mcu that people just disappear a la rapture mm-hmm. rather than like just like dead bodies everywhere <laughs> like i'm yeah. glad it's yeah, not yeah, that sure. that would have mm-hmm. been a different sort of horror version it's um, much eerier yeah, yeah. Yeah, but this is, just, you know, it's it's the rapture, right? It's it's 50% of people gone all of a sudden. Like you said, we lose the Fantastic Four. We lose Alpha Flight, all the all the big teams. And uh, and then we're left with, you know, a, a backup, uh, you know, like who's who's left, basically, to go and now try to stop this menace with half of uh, half the people already being gone. So in that way, it's very different than Infinity War. And it's um, it has to find things to do over the course of six issues after he's already snapped. They're not trying to stop yeah. him from snapping, right? Yeah, yeah. It already happened. Now they're just trying to stop him from having that power, basically. And it's it's not like Endgame where now they're trying to reverse it. Like, that is not really in the cards of, you know, they're trying to stop him because his anger and him, like, whirling around worlds to write his name or whatever is just causing, like, ripples through the universe that, you know, the the West Coast is crumbling. Japan is gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Japan just vanishes off yeah. the Yeah, J- Japan catches see. a huge L. Like, I, I don't know that any other nation just straight up disappeared. Yeah. Um, before we go any further, time for an ad break. If you're listening to this podcast, you clearly love comics. You may even love deep, analytical takes on comics. So we think you might like Super Serious 616. Super Serious 616 is a podcast that explores what it would be like to live through the beginning of the modern Marvel age of comics. It is unlike any podcast that you have heard before. Mike and Ed talk about the public events from the early Silver Age of Marvel Comics as if those events were actually happening. As superpowered heroes and villains, gods, and monsters become everyday occurrences, Mike and Ed talk about the ramifications of the changes thrust upon the world. Would the Fantastic Four be welcomed as costumed do-gooders, or would their motives be questioned? Will there be superpowered Cold War with Russia? Will the appearance of Thor in the emergence of gods from ancient myths lead people to re-examine their own religious beliefs? Is Iron Man a good use of Stark Core shareholder capital? If Reed Richards had developed podcast technology in the 1960s Marvel Universe, this would be the show everyone would be listening to. So join Mike and Ed every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Super Serious 616 as they chart the evolution of the Marvel Universe from the ground up as it happens. Alright, back to the show. Something I just want to mention about Starlin as a whole, something I, that I really, I really appreciate about him and his work is how matter of fact he is about these big moments. And I think him not doing a lot of big underlining under like, this is a cool moment. This is a great display of power, right? Like he just kind of lets them happen. And and I think that sells the impact mm-hmm. so much more. Because one of my favorite moments here is uh, Thanos goes and visits Galactus mm-hmm. and basically 
tells him, like, you need to stay in line because you're no threat to me at all and I can just do away with you. And Galactus and him are standing on a planet that Galactus is getting ready to eat. And then it's just a three-panel page, top panel. Galactus is standing on the planet. The next panel of the planet is gone. So there's, that's, there's no that's fan in Silver player. Surfer. Yeah. I that's think. in the Silver Surfer, yeah. Wait, and it's a great moment, one. absolutely. Incredible. Yeah. Like, there's no flash of light, there's no, you know, big explosion. It is just gone, and it sells that impact so well that it's, like, such an afterthought that it happens between panels, right? It's also very like, funny. Like, it's also oh, it, Galactus, yeah, Galactus literally now sitting with floating, a plate of food, <laughs> floating and Thanos swiping it off the table like <laughs> yeah. a, a mean cat, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 very much. And same with the snap, right? Like, the snap is he highlights the snap of his fingers, but like you're saying, then it just shifts to Spider-Man and he's looking at Times Square and yeah. then the camera cuts back to Times Square and half the people are missing. Right? Yeah. And then it just kind mm-hmm. of plays out that way and he lets it like sell in the, the actual execution of it sells it rather than, you know, trying to like, I, I don't know, overwrite it, right? Like he doesn't write, he doesn't explain to you why this is big and dramatic, right? He's not uh, expositing and like narrating the, the horror of this he kind of just lets it lets it happen which is something i so appreciate about his work yeah no i think it does a pretty good job yeah. uh matt what was your reaction to like reading the story again um like like what were the things that really stood out to you uh upon revisiting infinity gauntlet yeah i've i've read the story quite a few times like i did a video on it i don't know two and a half or three years ago mm-hmm. now um i did not go back and rewatch it because i don't watch my videos that are that mm-hmm. old uh, maybe a year and a half <laughs> old, but nothing later than that. But I love it. And when I was rereading it, I was struck by um, how much I enjoy it yeah. still. Like it had been a while. And I was like, and I think that what I really liked about it is I think that, that the um, the story gets more interesting and stronger as it goes along, actually. Like it starts off with a big bang, obviously, with the snap and everything. Um, but Starlin has a, has a great sense of pacing. Um, each of these issues is like 40 to 50 pages. Yeah. But they're just decompressed enough that you get like big moments that get like large panels or or full page, uh, you know, splashes so that these moments can like settle in your mind a little bit. But he doesn't overplay them for too long. Like post snap, you get like one or two pages per each like group of characters and you go through like the Avengers and uh, Hulk and, you know, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. And one and planet like out in um, space, I think, like the, Sh- the right. Shi'ar maybe he's, or something. Yeah. yeah, so he's like kind of establishing the cosmic scope. And I think what's interesting about the um, the scope of the series is that the stakes get larger and larger and the uh, the conflict gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the, the scope, like the actual focus of the story narrows mm-hmm. um, as it goes along because the cast dwindles down so much. Mm-hmm. Because... You can tell early on that it's a, you know, Thanos, Warlock, Silver Surfer, and maybe Doctor Strange story kind of leading all of this. Um, everyone else is sort of periphery. And what's nice is that it doesn't sell it as that necessarily. Like, you think that, you know, the heroes are going to play a big part. And it builds up to issue four, which is like the big battle between the heroes, which would be your normal climax of, of a story. But that's not the actual climax of, of mm-hmm. everything. Um, which is a cool sell. Like um, the end of issue three is a great cliffhanger when they jump into battle and uh, Silver Surfer realizes he's like, they're sacrificial lambs. And that's like the end right there as they're jumping in. It's like, that's such a great cliffhanger. Um, So it's really good pacing all the way through. Um, But the the ideas become more interesting because they become more complex also as we get into the effects of the gauntlet 
on Thanos and on anyone else that it touches. Um, and of course, you have to kind of compare it like you were doing to the movies because they're what everyone knows now. Um, but I was talking about this the other day, which is that I think that the Infinity Gauntlet itself is way more interesting in the comics because when you put it on, you become a god. Mm-hmm. Like you have all the qualities and the knowledge and the ability of a god. Whereas like the gauntlet in the movies is like a cosmic gun. Mm. Yeah. Like it could kill you because it's so powerful so that not anyone can wear it necessarily. But with the gauntlet in the comics, anyone can wear it. And you simply kind of like snap into godhood. You are, you have all the cosmic awareness and omnipotence and power and the ability to do anything. And you can see if we jump a little ahead when Nebula gets the gauntlet and she's so overwhelmed by it that it's a new type of threat because she'll, she could possibly be so overwhelmed that she makes existence, you know, completely right. gone, which is like the ultimate threat. It's like, I'd rather have Thanos than, you know, the nebula with the gauntlet. Um, but that kind of goes along with the idea that this is all about Thanos's internal life too and his relationship with death and his sort of, um, he's, he, also there's the funny thing where people are like, in did you know that Avengers Infinity War is actually Thanos as the protagonist? And everyone says that about that movie. And it's like, that's not really true. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, he's not, I, I know that he has a protagonist type arc, but he's not really the protagonist mm-hmm. of that movie. He's still the antagonist. Like, I, not to get too deep in the weeds, but he is kind of I the mean, protagonist like Thanos, of Thanos this quest, comic. especially, right? Like, that, that is, that is yeah. so different in scope. But I think if you compare them, you can kind of see surface level that they're covering similar ground, but that focus on... Yeah. You know who, wh- where the the goals are, right? Because you, yeah, like you said, you almost end up rooting for Thanos during Thanos' quest. Like there's mm-hmm. part of you that's just like triumphing with him, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't feel that here in Infinity Gauntlet. That's gone, basically. No. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I agree. I I just got to point out, you just said that all these issues are like forty pages long. I had no idea. Like, and that's remarkable mm-hmm. that I read all these almost double sized issues and did not know I was reading double because I read this like in a omnibus right so I didn't like have yeah. the page on Marvel Unlimited telling me how many pages each time so that that's kind of crazy to me <laughs> that uh did you read all the tie-ins too when you're reading the omnibus no all the also all those come after so I'll probably dip in like I'm not gonna read the cloak and dagger one or like all the Doctor Strange probably <laughs> but I'll go read that Spider-Man in the Senti well one you better read that the... Sleepwalker you better not miss out what's, on Sleepwalker what's Sleepwalker <laughs> exactly okay. exactly all right. Uh, yeah, no, the great points, great points all around. I, I do love the issue for the, the thing that's it's so amazing because like the battle's really good. <laughs> like, yeah, like the battles, battles it's like yeah. not the most it's usually like kind of not the most important part of an event. But this battle is actually so good because we do get all these kind of one by ones. You get these just incredible moments like beat by beat of like, for example, like Thor getting Thanos on the ropes because Thanos decides like, oh, I'm going I'm to fight mm-hmm. these with, you know, without my full infinity gauntlet powers to like you know remember what that's like because i can do it and thor has him on the ropes and then doom jumping in to steal the gauntlet and getting in thor's way it's such a perfect doom moment i love it he gets wrecked uh, for eric, it eric masterson is thor here which is a funny little piece of trivia that is not the actual thor that's true it, including mm-hmm. like the oh well, actually i have two great asgard moments here one half the people disappear and eric masterson is like damn i still have to pretend to be thor and he's just like Yay, I fought with half these valiant heroes that fell. Like, yeah. I am saddened and like <laughs> pretending that he's bummed. That I love that. Th- that's how did. that's his key concern in that moment of like know, 50% of the population a... gone, and he's like, oh, I still have to perform. What a wild <laughs> thing for them to be like, you know what we're missing is, uh, is secret identities. Let's get back to that. 
Like, true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, that and then the classic mm-hmm. moment of Odin realizing half, half Odin. of the Asgardians. Good old missing. Odin. And what does he say? I must don my ceremonial like morning eye patch. I just uh, read, I better put on my good hat for this. Yeah, and then, oh, by the way, the the award for least useful character in Marvel for uh, how many years running? 30 years running goes to Odin yet again. I mean, I because he just got idea. trapped in a room <laughs> for the entire event. <laughs> Super fun that he like he met up with all the other, you know, like. Yeah, that's a good touch. The, the, these gods, these cultural gods from all over the world. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, cool. Is, is this going to play in? I don't remember them like fighting alongside. Yeah, it's because they don't. But no, they were just that, stuck. That is a very fun idea. Yeah. And also is one that's like, revisit this Marvel. Like, flesh out those pantheons. Like, do work. Do work mm-hmm. with that. They're trying. They're yeah, trying. Um, so, def- all right, just to touch on this this issue for battle and put a cap on it. The end of this plan, as Silver Surfer says, they're sacrificial lambs. They are a distraction from, uh, you know, from the real threat that Adam Warlock, Silver Surfer, and, yeah, maybe a little Doc Strange have concocted, which mm-hmm. is while Captain America is making his final stand, stepping up to Thanos, which is very reminiscent of of some of the good stuff in, uh, in those Avengers movies, of course, um, the real plan is for Silver Surfer to fly in <laughs> from far away real <laughs> fast by. and grab the glove. The glove is not adhered with the same uh, sticky tack that was used in Infinity War, so it's not as sticky to Thanos' arm. But the problem here is Silver Surfer whiffs hard. <laughs> he just misses. <laughs> he just misses the gauntlet. Jesus. And it's Incredible. goofy as heck, but it's also like you feel the drama of it because that entire issue yeah. is building to that moment, and it's like you know the second-to-last page or whatever, and he misses, and it's like, well, what now? What now? He's got it. He's got all the yeah. powers back again. That's not going to happen again. And then we get to Adam Warlock's final play, which speaking of bringing cool entities together, we get the Cosmic Pantheon. And we get all the Cosmic mm-hmm. Pantheon together at last. We have Galactus. We have Eternity. We have the Stranger. We have um, Celestials. We have Eon. We have Lord Chaos Master Order. Probably we've got the Watcher there to not help in any way and uh they're all there and they're like all right thanos you've just fought those little heroes now here's every cosmic being in marvel this is jim starlin's baby with the ode to the godfather to the king jack kirby of course um but like this is this what makes this event so cool like he fights all the gods in the marvel universe that's incredible and that's that's what happens in the last last ish issue although again that's not the end of it and okay so what what do we all think about this because what what happens is Thanos, and this is a thing that they keep talking about, that Thanos sabotages himself, right? Yeah. That, like, deep down, mm-hmm. he does not actually feel worthy of this power. Like, he knows he is insufficient, and so he keeps setting himself up for failure and, like, leaving a, a chink in his own armor, right? Yeah. Um, um, it's, I, I mean, I think I, it's really I interesting. It is that. The, oh, sorry. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Yeah, it is the whole... It, it's the it's the kind of the the turn and the reveal of, of the whole series, really, yeah. like... The whole, um, I have to say though, uh, great titles for individual issues too. Uh, that uh, issue five is called Astral Conflagration. Mm-hmm. I think that that name just kind of sticks in my mind as being an amazing single issue yeah. title. And what's issue four? A cosmic. Oh, I'm gonna look it up. What is it? Cosmic battle on the cosmic battle on the edge of the universe with an exclamation. Starlin writes very it's done good. Very poor. I can barely read that. That's not very good t- uh, typography. You don't put red on black. <laughs> someone tell someone tell that to whoever is uh, is um, lettering um, 
the Batman who laughs. Very bad idea. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we will send that letter. Hang on. Let me let me get a Jock's address here, and I will send him that letter. Uh, no, totally agree. I, I think Thanos being, you have to have an escape hatch with a character like Thanos, and with mm-hmm. him constantly accumulating this power. And then again, like, okay, if we're gonna say he has all this power now, we've been talking it up. We're gonna have him fight all the cosmic gods. We're gonna have him fight all the Marvel heroes, and he's gonna come out of it, right? Despite a struggle, he's gonna come out of it and win. You have to have an escape hatch, and the escape hatch is internal. And I think that's really smart. I think mm-hmm. it's extremely successful. Like you said, like this entire series, it really hinges on Adam Warlock's understanding, having been in the Soul Gem when Thanos had it, having basically seen Thanos's soul. And then, you know, again, uniquely establishing the relationship that these two characters have as sort of the force for life and the force for death. Um, And you have Thanos basically, like, Adam Warlock understanding, you only lost because you kind of wanted to. (laughs) Like, that's kind of, like, you kind of secretly wanted to lose. You don't think you're worth this much power. And you sort of, again, it's what makes Thanos weirdly relatable like weirdly understandable you know as understandable more than relatable but like no i i I feel everything he's gone through man (laughs) like it's this is my life to a t yeah understandable i mean that that is like yeah what makes him an incredible villain every time is that he is not just because how many you know like mustache twirling psychopaths do we have in marvel that are totally interchangeable and boring and you know barely like it's why his threat feels so real is because well and it's why like it's why putting the Infinity Gauntlet on Dr. Octopus isn't, the, isn't that interesting of a story. Right, yeah. You know, like you can't just plop, right. like like Matt said, like you can literally plop this thing on anyone in a Marvel Comics. They can do all this stuff if they can get their head around it. Um, it's not like the movie where it'll burn out their arm or whatever, like Hulk. But, uh, but it wouldn't be that interesting of a story necessarily, right? And with Thanos, it is. Because it, it, the only other characters I can think of who are kind of on that level would be like Doctor Doom, and then some heroes like like a Reed Richards or maybe like T'Challa or some of these characters. Um, you know, if you mm-hmm. have a certain level of like intelligence meets ambition, I think that type of character can pull it off. Uh, unfortunately, Nebula is not one of those characters. <laughs> she is. Yeah, yeah. This, so is, this is what I wanted to here. ask. How do yeah. we feel about? Because I, I, I like the turn of Thanos losing the gauntlet. I even kind of like it him losing it to the Nebula here. Yeah. But then the focus of the issue switches to we need to stop Nebula and let's hell get Thanos to help us stop Nebula. Yeah. All this falls pretty flat for me. It like happens the, a little fast. It happens, happens a little fast. 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 And also it's just like, uh. oh, this is kind of a step down in escalation. Right? They they try to sell that Nebula is more of a threat than Thanos and it's like I don't really like, I don't feel that the way that I feel Thanos, so, like, this doesn't right. sell it as much to me. And I also, in no world, buy that they're like, we need Thanos' help. Like, let's get him. Because Nebula banishes Thanos. He's floating off in space <laughs> with his dead girlfriend and being like, oh, bummer, I liked her. Um, and then, like, Doctor <laughs> <Yeah>. Strange, <laughs> he even says, like, oh, man, I, I wish I had remembered to give I her, think... like, space-breathing yeah. powers. Oh, well. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then Doctor Strange real bummer, summons really... him... Bad hand for Traxia. <laughs> we need we need to bring Traxia back. I haven't seen her in a Has minute. she never popped back in again? I kind of feel like she'd be a never say that never. want to play with that like Starlin would prepare. I f- never say never. I feel like someone would have yeah. to. Everybody's come back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A- Anyway, so like I'm I'm kind of with you on the on the de-escalation and on yeah. the. I, I remember this feeling a little disappointing with Nebula. Um, I like the surprise of her being the one to snatch the gauntlet off Thanos when he's not looking yeah. because yeah, that, it is fine. unexpected. Yeah. The 
potential problem with that is because she's kind of a non-entity and she's definitely a non-entity in this event like again if you just read infinity gauntlet or mm-hmm. even even really just the silver surfer stuff like the only reason you know anything about nebula I mean, is from read reading it. roger stern and walt simonson avengers that came before exactly this. yeah i was gonna say we've read a fair amount of nebula and i'm still and i liked her too i like that uh that little yeah. avengers story the time cross time kings i like that still here i'm just kind of, it, it's also it's just kind of uh it's like uh lord of the rings with the, you know, like, the classic complaint about, like, the trilogy is over, and now there's one more small fight to do back at the hob- the, at the Shire against Sharky, right? Should have like, been in the movie. Should have been <laughs> right. in the movie. Don't, don't, don't badmouth the scouring of the Shire. Yeah, it, it is a metaphor for coming I, I, home from World War I. I know, yeah. I, I mean, not not that those, those <laughs> stories uh, adhere to any kind of traditional, like, pacing or, uh, you know, arcs or whatever. But, like... Yeah, it, it kind of feels like that, where it's just kind of like, oh, I thought we were d- done. Okay, one more smaller threat to cap things off. And it, you know what? And it's also just, it's the double whammy of that and them being like, and Thanos will help us. That just, I I'm think, just like, why I think you- if you take out the Thanos will help us of it, which is actually be- a trope that I love. Like, I actually, because that's, what's, that's what Starlin does with, with Warlock and Thanos the first time, is they have to team up, despite their enmity, because uh, the Magus is more of a threat. Right, mm-hmm. so like they have to team up against a bigger threat. I think the problem here is Thanos was clearly the number one threat, even with Nebula with the Infinity Gauntlet. She still does not feel like more of a threat than Thanos without it. Right, so I could that, see that's selling this like in some distant future event. Right, selling a similar setup. Mm-hmm. It's been yeah. half an hour, like literally, like if that long. It, yeah. in in real time, it's been minutes <laughs> since like they were fighting it's, Thanos, and now they're yeah. like, we need your help. And then Thanos, you know predictably tries to get the glove for himself right like mm-hmm. and also do they need yeah. him i don't know if they do <laughs> right like i don't know how <laughs> right necessary he is the um the uh yeah I, I agree that the the whole the turn of him becoming on coming to the side of the protagonist is very much feels like a sequel setup like it's very t2 mm. uh of arnold coming back as like the good guy yeah. now yeah. um but i i guess i still enjoy it because i just i really the the things that i get the biggest kick out of in this story overall are the the way you kind of get more and more understanding of Thanos's um, mind and his his weaknesses, which is highlighted so much by him losing the gauntlet and then going back after it, and then also that Warlock treats the whole thing as like a chess yeah. match um, instead of just you know we just have to by brute force you know take this away we have to that his he's always like multiple steps ahead of mm-hmm. everyone that he's playing the rest of the heroes like they are pawns in his game. Um, and I think that's really interesting because, again, the conflict with Nebula is still him doing that and the way he's, you know, disguised himself so that she can't see him. And then he goes in the soul gem to, like, do the energy burst to get it off of her uh, her hand. And then what's interesting, and it's kind of funny, is that the final battle for the glove is just a big scramble, like everyone just dogpiling each yeah. other. Which is fun. It. I, I, I kind of like, like the physicality of that, right? Like that it, it does feel and, uh, yeah. like no one's in control anymore. And, and, and Hulk and fighting. Well, Hulk goes for it, and yeah. Drax stops him. And that's like a fun idea. Like the idea that Hulk would get a hold of this is just like that, mm-hmm. that's a, a fun little you know moment. Just considering what he would do with the glove. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I I enjoy it a lot. I I agree that it's weird because because it reaches a, a climax of like cosmic scope in issue five with the Pantheon mm-hmm. fight, and then DS and then has the big turn where he loses it because um, he makes himself into eternity he beats eternity and then elevates himself to the status of eternity where he is everything but he leaves his body 
in there and that's when he's vulnerable which is i guess what happened when, when he had the cosmic cube originally back in mm-hmm. the 70s yeah. kind of something like yep. that happened and there's a little bit of that too in the silver surfer run um where it looks like he's elevated his his consciousness to be one with everything and mephisto tries to grab it and then he like you know thanos knew what was happening and he like yeah. duped him so you get those little little setups for for thanos doing that already and i just think that's a really interesting idea that you know he is his own achilles heel um it just makes thanos a more interesting character um because this is i don't know i just a villain with that type of like intrinsic self-doubt but also sort of sense of of grandiosity is a really interesting um you know dichotomy within the character and i think that's why the that character is still really interesting today when people do him yep. right um i know that starlin disavows anyone that writes thanos that isn't him <laughs> as he should um, but also a lot of people that write thanos that aren't him just turn him into like i don't know they he's just like an inter- intergalactic warlord more he's kind of like um well like we just read he's more uh, sorry yeah, go on. Uh, he, he's more like he's more like dark yeah, side yeah, yeah. Than thanos or, or like mongol in, in the worst case i think it's or just mongol. kind of yeah, a I mean, we just read some job. ultimate fantastic four the version of thanos in that and it was nothing. He was just like a, a bloodthirsty warlord who was just conquering planets. Yeah. And there was nothing. There was no, you know, characterization matching. The um, I, I do really like, in, in bouncing off of what you're, you're talking about, Matt, I like how this ends with a- Adam gets the glove um, and basically just tells everyone, like, uh, you'll have to trust me. <laughs> like, you've seen yeah. my heart. Uh, you'll have to trust me on this one. Cope. Yep. Cope. <laughs> and uh, it, like, sends everybody back to normal. Um, and... Uh, and then it cuts. Oh, oh BT Dubs! Before you go to that, uh, Nebula resurrected everybody. Yes, Nebula is <laughs> the one who just yeah, a reminder re- to just spite Thanos, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Um. Although, like before that happened, Thor and a bunch of other heroes showed up, and it was like you're dead. And did you notice that? Because Thor got shattered, right. but then he shows up, and it was before the resurrection, so I didn't know what was happening. Anyway, that is a little yeah, confusing. I, yeah, I, I think agree. that was just an oversight, maybe. Hmm. Um. But he's alive. Well, it's yeah. magic. Dr. Yeah, Strange. right, yeah. Time gem, probably. I really yeah. like at the end here, Warlock goes to confront Thanos, and Thanos is doing his endgame thing, the beginning of endgame, where he's in a field, like, literally mm. they have the same, like, green... Love farmer Thanos. cloth, right, yeah. yeah, that he's wearing, and he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm scraping a living out of the soil with my bare hands and reflecting on my my failures. Would you like to try Warlock. some of these beats? I ground them myself. <laughs> crafted them fresh from the earth. <laughs> Which is, I, I think, an interesting ending to this character who, you know, feels humbled by, like, recognition of his own failures. Like, it, it's, it's like... Like, he, he has a lot of similarities with Doctor Doom, except Doctor Doom would never do this. Like, Doctor Doom would never reflect mm. on his failures and be mm. like, yeah, wow, maybe something is wrong with me. And I think this is actually, like, a very scary way of keeping the character going, of being like, oh no, what if he self-actualizes? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yeah. what, what if he actually, you know, he, he gets really into meditation and, uh, and figures out how to, you know, do this again, but... Which, you know, I know the next couple of years have, like, Thanos event after Thanos event, and Thanos becomes the Wolverine, right, where he's just everywhere. Well, no, I I think that's a little unfair. I mean, they have, I, they I have Infinity through, Event mm-hmm. after I was Infinity looking event. through he 1994 have, comics. He doesn't have sick claws. Well, that's, he doesn't have sick claws. If Thanos had claws, it's too, over. Touche, Why are we even having events? <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I was looking through 1994 <laughs> comics, uh, and because uh, I was, like, considering doing another Dean's List in 94. Thanos is all over 1994. It is all over the place. So, like, I, I kept finding him 
Sure. Like, just an issue after issue. And it's like in random comics here and there, it's just like, now Thanos. Thanos is there. Yeah. No, he's, um, he's can hot. We, can we talk a little bit? Oh, I'm sorry. Do we, do we I don't know. I'm kind of at time here. What, <laughs> what do you want to talk about? Yeah. Any closing thoughts on this? I just want to talk. I have a, a closing little... thought on the event, which is to yeah, say yes. there is a good follow up. I believe it's the Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme tie in that follows this, where you actually have a Doctor Strange Adam Warlock conversation which sets the stage for what Adam Warlock is actually thinking about doing with the Infinity Gauntlet. Okay. Uh, and it is worth reading. Okay. Yeah, that that's interesting. I, so I know, all I know about the follow-up to this is we get two Infinity events, mm-hmm. like following one, two, right after this, that are not quite mm-hmm. as well-received. I like one. Infinity War. War, yes, singular. Yeah, and then what's the third one? Infinity Crusade, Crusade. which is the Secret Wars yeah. 2 of Jim Starlin. Oh, bummer. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> yeah. um, There's a reason why there wasn't a fourth yeah. one. So, but also out of this, uh, we're going to start getting some spinoff series like the um, Warlock. What, what's it called? Uh, Warlock and the Infinity Watch. Yes, in the Infinity Watch. What uh, What are the thoughts on that? Are we going to read any of that? Cause, uh, I like cares. Warlock and the Infinity Watch. Uh, it's quite enjoyable. We are going to read some of it, I think, by special patron request if memory serves. So Ooh. thank you to the patron who Very requested nice. oh, that. We don't, we don't have that. Patreon.com slash comic book. That is not on our list. I don't know what you're talking about. It's on my, it's on my <laughs> list. Okay. Secret list. Oh, oh, like someone Secret just list. told you about it. Okay. All right. They didn't. Uh, but like, yeah, yeah. I'm not seeing it on any of our, our public list yet. You haven't updated them, but yeah, I, public I'm lists curious. are for public readers. Zach, I keep, well, these you know, our, our Patreon list, our, pa- our public Patreon list. Anyway, I, I'm excited to, to, dip into that a little bit is jim starlin involved with this at all or is he sticking to like the events no starlin writes warlock in the affinity watch so like he he's gonna keep telling his saga in these comics yeah that's where you want to jump next if you want to know what's going on for sure because that's that's going to follow warlock drax pip gamora all the starlin favorites um and of course there there might be a little bit of thanos oh he does 31 issues that wild okay cool i am excited yeah um I, I, yeah, I'm not as invested in a lot of those stories that come after this. I, but yeah, I, like I said, I really love Infinity Gauntlet. I, I really enjoy the end, uh, you know, with Thanos um, on the farm sort of being reflective. We finally get um, narration by Thanos at the very mm-hmm. end, you know, when he's talking about what he's learned and how maybe I've come out ahead in the end. Maybe, you know, you know, I kind of, he feels like pity for a warlock almost. Because um, warlock comes to him and is asking about like, do you have any advice for me of having the mm-hmm. gauntlet? Yeah. And great. he says, um, well, he says, he says like persist or give up yeah, the power. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's basically it. But there's a really interesting, tiny little hint uh, of, of something that I think is really interesting within the con- concept of this story, which is that when um, Warlock talks to Thanos, you realize for a second, he's confused as to whether this has already happened or not, because he has the gauntlet and is a, a God. Mm. He almost exists outside of yeah. time. Um, you know, if you think about the idea of um, as a god, like kind of like Dr. Manhattan to some degree yeah. of like all of time happening yeah. at once. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when you do elevate to godhood, you sort of exist all within the span of your own godhood. So in theory, what I've always thought of, which is interesting, is that when Thanos had the gauntlet, he already knew what was going to happen mm. to him, that he knew he was going to lose it, that he knew how he would lose it, and that he was almost you know, incapable of stopping it or was okay with not stopping it because of his flaws and his own self-doubts. And I think that's an interesting idea that is just 
just has a tiny little yeah. hint yeah. there um, at the end. Um, but it, it, it blips, blips by so fast that I think that Starlin's just kind of tosses that in for you to think about. Yeah, he says bit. something um, when, when uh, Thanos answers him, when he asks him about the glove, Wardock says like, oh, you always say the same thing. Right, like you know, another little wink yeah. at like they just have the same conversation. Over I think you kind of have to Doctor Manhattan that and just be like, you know, kind of the way they do in HBO Watchmen, where it's just like, this is what happens. This is what always happens, and like it's annoying that they don't change it. You know, as as characters, because it's a hard thing yeah. to comprehend. But you kind of just have to accept that, like, yeah, maybe he's maybe he has seen all these moments in time, but that's how they play mm-hmm. out, and they will continue to play out that way. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think Starlin's digging into that to that degree, but it's an interesting thing to talk about. So, all right, this has been a pretty good, good comics. Jim Starlin, good comics. I do think, Zach, to your question, I mean, I think this is where his Thanos saga peaks. Yeah. Um, yeah which is kind of, like, I like a lot of stuff after this point, like a lot of stuff. And, he, you know, he's going to keep going here. He's going to he's gonna come back in the 2000s. Big Jim Starlin guy, right? When he touches Thanos, I'm interested in those stories. But... If anything, all it is the peak um, of, or at least it's it's the end of a peak, I suppose, because I I still have a hard time saying if I like his '70s stuff more. If I I probably still like Thanos Quest the most of everything, and I, yeah. I'm wondering now how much of that is because what you pointed out, Matt, which is the the internal Thanos narration, um, actually making that maybe the cream of the crop for me. But Infinity Gauntlet is fantastic, and it's Marvel's best event. I think uh, building to this point, I think it's their best event. I mean, probably for the rest of the decade, you that's, know, if not longer. Wild. wild, you know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'd put it top five all time yeah. for Marvel. No, it's, it's I mean, probably is. Speaking. Which I don't know that I would have yeah. prior to rereading it and kind of thinking about it contextually. I don't know that I would have felt that way about it. I don't know. There's a sort of like it almost feels like a comfort event. I don't know. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, it's just like yeah, of course that's good. But then you're reading it, it's like, no, this is really good like it's not just like casually good like it's it's there's a reason it's so massive and it's so influential and that marvel cinematic universe built a a 10-year plan around it you know what i mean like that's that's kind of it's Mm -hmm. on that scale and very few things come close to that um thanos and the infinity gala has a lot of great iconography like obviously the way that it's been used in the mcu but even before then like it was all over like 90s marvel too you talk about like what uh, marvel superheroes war the gems the video game that came out like shortly after you know they use it it's kind of that the it kind of super nintendo game yeah there's like a super nintendo beat-em-up yeah yeah which is all about that and thanos is all over a lot of those fighting games and of marvel in the 90s and the infinity gauntlet itself is just an iconic piece of marvel lore whenever it pops up in an event or a story you know the things are really serious you know, I, I want to say, like, without spoiling, like, um, a lot of Hickman stuff, you know, uses uses the gauntlet mm-hmm. also. Um, obviously, he's influenced by Starlin quite a bit. Um, the way that it's used there, uh, the, it's, its use in um, Secret Wars uh, 2015 mm-hmm. is really cool. Um, it's just a really iconic piece of, of Marvel uh, lore. Um, and I think it's used really well here. All right. Uh, okay. I, I got something. So... <laughs> CBR.com, everyone's favorite comic book website, uh, lists Infinity Gauntlet as their number one greatest Marvel event of all time, which I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's that's not, it, I don't, I'm not bothered by that, you know what and I mean? And that's, number that's two, speech to the quality Number of it, two, yeah. Civil War, which I've not read. Nope. I'm a little more nope. bothered by nope. that. Number four, nope. Craven's Last Hunt, which, okay. was three. Know. That's not an event. Not quite Get an event. Here, and then CBR. here's the one that makes my head spin, you know, like The Exorcist. Number three, Mutant Massacre. 
<laughs> like even oh, your favorite. Even if, e- even That's an odd list. Realm of like, even if you really like that event, like who wrote that? Was it me? Uh, was that was that during my stint? March by Dave Busing. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, eight events I love and seven I don't love so much. <laughs> it, it, a list that will drive Zach insane in five years, <laughs> purposefully written. Call your shot, baby. Um, no, what I what I was saying before my my recording dropped here, Infinity Gauntlet is definitely the coolest Marvel like weapon, right? I mean, it's like the coolest Marvel artifact. I guess the Cosmic Cube has more Except of a that history. This is, this is more just like this is the Cosmic Cube, but uh, better themed, right? Like yeah, and, right, and True. and like I mean, what Starlin does that makes it so cool is underlining like hey these are six different stones with six different power sets and i'm gonna like really underline what each of them does and what they're each doing in the moment again like one of these silver surfer issues is six big splash pages of thanos torturing drax and silver surfer Mm -hmm. one page at a time just saying like i have control of the mind gem and then making their minds go nuts and then you know the time gem by zapping them back and forth in time and like uh yeah really gets a lot of uh of um you know good use out of that in a way that like the movies, if you watch, you know, Infinity War six times, you'll notice that, like, oh, he's activating this gem when he's using this moment. But, like, you know, it's more of an Easter egg there. Um, but it's really... They're more big la- They're more big lasers. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. When it, was um, like, it was like hitting different buttons on a controller. It kind of felt like, you know, the way he uses those powers in the movies. Whereas here, it's like, you know, I don't know, there's more mastery. There's more skill involved or something. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's a great addition to the Marvel Universe. It's a great event. Um, if it is your favorite Marvel event, I will not judge you. It is not the best Marvel event. Sorry, 2015 Secret Wars did happen, but it is uh, it is excellent. I agree. I can't I can't I can't deny that. I yeah, can't I think deny we're, it. We're all all pretty aligned on that. Yeah. All right, so we've settled it. Uh, this is a comic worth reading. I'm glad we could come to that conclusion. <laughs> oh well, I mean, we haven't read the Muir Island Saga next year, so I don't know if that's is that going to stand up. <laughs> you're right. You're right. There's a lot of good comics to come. A lot of better comics to come. I'll say it. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Dave. You can find stuff at comicbookherald.com, at comicbookherald online. He's Zach's, the Destroyer. You can find him anywhere online at uh, My Marvelous Year. Uh, and we're joined today by Matt Draper. Matt, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on YouTube at uh, Matt Draper. It's just my name. I talk about comics sometimes, and sometimes I talk about other stuff that isn't related you know, to this podcast. Now, have you considered so. rebranding your YouTube channel to use... Um, kind of like a fun, like a uh, play on words, like, like two letters that are the same, like doing two things that like, aren't your name or like, aren't your brand. Have you considered <laughs> that before, after, after, after the final pay after, before the, before the cred, before the, after the, during the, during the final the splash page, Matt, Matt's splash page. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. So, yeah, check out Matt Draper stuff. Great videos on YouTube. Highly recommended. Music for the show is by Disaster Piece. Also recommended. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash year or by rating and reviewing on iTunes. We'll be back uh, next time with, I think, some X-Men comics. Chances are. I'm not even looking at it. I'm just going to throw it's, it out there. I, literally... They're everywhere. 1991, it's our fourth, four out of seven of these issue, or episodes are going to be about mutants. Muir Island Saga, X-Men yeah. number one, baby, and some X-Factor. That's what we'll be talking about next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. And as always, we'll see you next year. See you next year. Uh-huh.